Today's episode is a story from the Ramayana featuring Ravan's little brother Kumbhakarna who is anything but little. We'll see him enter the battlefield against the Vanar army. Welcome to Stories from India. This is a podcast that will take you on a journey through the rich mythology, folklore and history of the Indian subcontinent. I am Narad Muni, the celestial storyteller and the original Time Lord. With my ability to travel through space and time, I can bring you fascinating stories from the past, the present and the future. From the epic tales of the Mahabharat and Ramayan to the folk tales of the Panchatantra to stories of Akbar Birbal and Tenali Raman i have a story for every occasion the purpose of the stories is neither to pass judgment nor to indoctrinate my goal is only to share these stories with people who may not have heard them before and to make them more entertaining for those who have first of all I wish you all a very happy and prosperous new year. Of course, being a time traveler, I know exactly what is going to happen this year. But it doesn't matter because I can't reveal anything. Anyway, let's jump into today's story. We are continuing the Ramayan. The Ramayan is one of two major epics in Indian mythology. The other is the Mahabharata. which we have also covered on this show the ramayana begins in ayodhya with ram as its crown prince he would have gone on to be king but his stepmother kaikai forced him into exile for 14 years ram went but not alone his wife sita and his brother lakshman went along too ram was an avatar of vishnu the preserver of the universe vishnu creates a balance between brahma the creator and shiva its destroyer together they are the holy trinity of indian mythology shameless plug here but brahma is my dad and i'm president for life of the vishnu fan club and i regularly meet shiva on mount kailash where he lives so you can rest assured that you're getting all this from an authentic source anyway back to ram lakshman and sita they survived one challenge after another in the wild demons and demonesses were constantly trying to either eat the trio or to kidnap and enslave them the three of them managed to fight off all such challenges and then events took a much darker turn when ravan abducted sita ravan was the ruler of lanka and the mega villain in this epic he was full of superpowers which meant defeating him was virtually impossible imagine lord voldemort with 10 heads so 10 times as evil and without any horcruxes and any other weaknesses Sita had been kidnapped 
without so much as a ransom note about a drop off point in some abandoned fort or some such sinister location neither the police existed nor the cbi nor the gumshida talash kendra so ram and lakshman got help from the next best option the vanars these vanars were a kingdom of monkeys led by their king sugriv most of the actual help came from hanuman who was sugriv's adviser and right hand vanar hanuman found sita in lanka he delivered ram's words of support and delivered sita's written words of support back to ram burning down lanka and getting the inside scoop on lankan defenses were just side quests in his mission ram lakshman and all the vanars crossed the ocean to get to lanka that part was especially hard because first they had to build a bridge across the ocean which any civil engineer will tell you is hard enough now and was much harder still in ancient india given most construction equipment hadn't been invented yet ram was joined by vibhishan one of ravan's brothers who switched sides the vanars and the lankans dove into battle ravan's son indrajit had achieved what he thought was victory when he very badly hurt both ram and lakshman luckily for them garud the king of the birds in vishnu's mount jumped in and rescued them in an act that probably inspired what fox the phoenix does in the second harry potter book the battle started to go against the lankans after that ravan entered the battle himself and made quite a splash but ram kind of embarrassed him on the battlefield we'll continue the story there ravan was furious things were bad really really bad his army wasn't just decimated decimation means only a tenth of his soldiers were lost but ravan had lost many more than that he had lost a bunch of generals as well he had tried to disrupt the proceedings by entering the battle himself but ram and even hanuman had absolutely humiliated him and rubbed his noses in the dirt all 10 of them and that wasn't the worst of it the thing that had ravan climbing up the walls was the fact that the lanka times had written a hit piece criticizing his leadership the journalist asked how many more lives are you going to lose for the sake of one measly hostage the smart money would have been on them exiting this whole princess abducting business but to ravan returning sita was simply not an option he needed something that could turn the situation around completely in his favor we need something that can turn the situation around completely in my favor he began addressing his secretary we need something massive something big something that could take the enemy 
by surprise. Something that could crush their spirits and their bodies at the same time. I want warriors the size of mountains. And instead, I'm stuck with a minion army that couldn't scare a kitten. The secretary was a timid Asur, the type who might be scared of a kitten himself. Which meant he was quite afraid to express his opinion. Witnessing his boss crumple up his predecessor into a ball had that effect on him. Now, the question that Ravan had raised had an obvious and correct answer. Kumbhakarna. He was Ravan's brother. I guess it ran in the family that he had his own superpowers as well. Kumbhakarna literally means pot-eared. I couldn't tell you if his ears were really shaped like a pot or not. But what I could tell you is that the size of those ears were certainly larger than a pot of the extra-large variety. And it wasn't just his ears that were outsized. Kumbhakarna was several stories tall. And he had biceps the size of elephants. Imagine Ant-Man in his largest size. And then double that. No, hang on. Maybe triple that. Ravan was still trying to be creative. What if we release the Kraken? Admittedly, we'd first have to find a Kraken, train it, and then take the Vanars to the sea. They might not want to go. Never mind. What if I build a massive particle collider, larger than the LHC, and then I create a mini black hole? That will swallow all the Vanars. The secretary cleared his throat and said, Ravan could instead deploy his brother into battle. Ravan shook his head. No. Vibhishan is already fighting, but on Ram's side. Not that brother, your majesty. Khar, Dushan, keep up, man. They died several episodes ago. Then Ravan realized he meant the other brother. Ahiravan, I can send word to him. He's not large, but he has more than one trick up his sleeve. Your Majesty, I meant Kumbhakarna. Ravan was shocked for a second. Didn't he already fall? I distinctly remember you saying he fell. Your Highness, he fell asleep. Again? Ravan was confused. He was awake in episode 190. He's only been taking a power nap this time, Your Majesty. The secretary further added that Kumbhakarna was a bit like a computer. Unless someone was interacting with him, he'd doze off within 10 minutes of inactivity. The secretary added that after episode 190, Kumbhakarna had had a light snack. Nothing much, just a few hundred dosas, a few tubs of sambar and chutney, some grain silos full of rice. Ah, 
So is that why the farmers were complaining about a food shortage back then? I might have known. But it doesn't matter. We still have Kumbhakarna. He's exactly what we need to crush this enemy. Indeed. This was good news for Ravan. And the impromptu Bhangra that he launched into was quite justified here, from his perspective. Remember the superpowers that I said Kumbhakarna had? It was already nearly impossible for him to be defeated. And if Saraswati hadn't intervened, it could have been a lot worse. More on that in a bit. There was just one teeny tiny problem. Waking up Kumbhakarna was not easy. They started with alarm clocks. They tried to shake him awake. They played trumpets and banged drums. But Kumbhakarna continued to sleep. You could say that Kumbhakarna slept like a log. Except logs don't snore as loud. But it wasn't Kumbhakarna's fault. He hadn't intended to be such a heavy sleeper. You see, the story goes that once in the days of normal sleep patterns, Kumbhakarna had performed a yagya, which is an elaborate ritual to call on a deity. If you've heard previous episodes, you'll know that Brahma, the creator of the universe, is the easiest to please out of the Holy Trinity. Brahma appeared and he was ready to grant Kumbhakarna whatever he wanted, other than immortality. Indra, the chief of the Devs and the ruler of Swarg or heaven, had some advance warning that Kumbhakarna was going to ask for Indra's throne and for the annihilation of the Devs. Maybe Kumbhakarna shouldn't have announced his intentions all over the ancient Indian version of social media. Indra was obviously worried. He got help from Saraswati, the goddess of knowledge, music, art and learning. Saraswati secretly twisted the words that came from Kumbhakarna's mouth. So instead of asking for Indrasan and Nirdevatvam, he asked for Nidrasan and Nidravatvam. Indrasan is the throne of Indra and Nidrasan is a bed for sleeping. Similarly, Nirdevatvam means the absence of Devs, basically annihilation. And Nidravatvam means sleep. Brahma granted the spoken wish instantly. With these long, complicated Sanskrit words, maybe Kumbhakarna would have gotten them wrong, even if Saraswati hadn't intervened. Ravan cried foul and demanded a third umpire review. Kumbhakarna couldn't appeal because he was already asleep. Under Ravan's appeal, Brahma relented. But he only relented so far as to change Kumbhakarna's sleeping pattern to just six months each year. But as we have seen, Kumbhakarna did, in addition, grab a power nap here and there. 
frustrated by his inability to wake up his brother, finally and reluctantly, Ravan gave the order to bring on the elephants. These were particularly wild elephants. The order was given reluctantly because the last time they had to do this, some of the elephants had developed trauma. So much so that Ravan had to allocate a chunk of the government budget towards an elephant therapist. But it worked. For Kumbhakarna, being trampled by wild elephants was the equivalent of getting a massage. He yawned and woke up slowly and asked what year it was. When he was told, he expressed considerable surprise that it had only been a few days since he went to bed. I didn't catch anywhere close to 40 winks. Maybe a wink and a half at best. Ravan said that he was frightfully sorry for disturbing Kumbhakarna's beauty sleep. But they were facing an existential crisis here. Kumbhakarna listened to all the latest news to catch up. In between a couple of yawns, he said to Ravan that he could see why Ravan was asking him to enter battle. But he also didn't want to make a rash decision. Could he sleep on it? Of course not, Ravan said. We are not going to last one month, let alone six. Fine, I'll do it, the giant replied. But brother, haven't you wondered about being on the wrong side here? You abducted that woman. Her husband is completely justified in coming here to attack us. You're still rejecting all calls to turn her over. Doesn't your conscience bother you? How do you sleep at night? I sleep like a baby, Ravan said. Babies don't necessarily sleep the best, Kumbhakarna observed. Despite how the saying goes. But I get your point. I may not agree with you, but I will fight for you. By the end of the day, the war will be over. I will have crushed the enemy. Big words, Ravan thought. But if anyone could deliver, it was Kumbhakarna. A few minutes later, Kumbhakarna was in battle armor. He was wearing a massive helmet that could have completely covered a moderately sized hill. He carried a club the size of a redwood tree. His belt said 700 with one blow. And you'll soon see why. In fact, his entire giant outfit was a hit, except for his slippers, which were a massive flop. At the entrance to the battlefield, he smelled the air and said, Fee fi fo fun I smell the blood of a billion. Warners and bears and human. Fear not, Lunkins, for the battle is almost won. He jumped onto the battlefield, causing a minor earthquake. 
one sweep of his club hurt hundreds of warners this was turning out to be a hulk versus puny humans kind of fight here but that was only because so far he was dealing with the ordinary warners that changed quickly when sugreev decided to take on this giant it was a david and goliath kind of matchup but what sugreev lacked in size he made up in agility only briefly though kumbhakarna snatched up the vanar king and carried him towards his mouth well if kumbhakarna had followed through his action of eating up sugreev the vanars would have been forced to elect a new king which is never a great idea in the middle of a war but that didn't happen sugreev slipped out of kumbhakarna's fist and jumped onto his face with his sharp teeth and nails he tore off kumbhakarna's ears and nose sort of like what lakshman had done to shurpanaka except sugreev didn't use a sword kumbhakarna was enraged and stomped on the ground taking out a few hundred more vanars he grabbed sugreev again and flung him with all his might towards the ground a move that would have sent the victim deep underground if it had been an ordinary human or vanar but sugreev the son of the sun was not ordinary he bounced like a ball and he went off to find ram lakshman was the next one to engage kumbhakarna in combat he fired a volley of arrows unfortunately every single one of them only hit kumbhakarna's armor you've given my armor a nice new coat of all these arrows that's nice my armor was due in the paint shop for a touch up anyway this will make it look better but lakshman wasn't interested in discussing trends in battlefield armor fashion he fired more arrows without any luck look lakshman kumbhakarna said i'd love to keep fighting you but i must find ram you're just here to stall if i defeat ram the battle is over so i'm going to go look for him okay kumbhakarna was going to march away but before he got two steps ram appeared on the scene as if by way of introduction ram fired an arrow that found a tiny gap between two plates of kumbhakarna's armor ouch kumbhakarna screamed angrily he hurled his massive redwood sized club towards ram calmly but quickly the prince of ayodhya fired seven arrows that reduced the club to smithereens kumbhakarna was very cross i had that club imported all the way from california you know they don't make trees that big here sorry ram replied if it's any consolation soon you won't be needing a club or anything else for that matter 
the giant advanced on Ram, crushing Vanar's with each step. Lakshman, meanwhile, had an idea. He observed that in his mad rage, Kumbhakarna was crushing both Vanar's and Lankan's alike. He quickly spread the word, and at his signal, all Vanar's in Kumbhakarna's vicinity suddenly climbed up the body of the giant. The effect was that Kumbhakarna's next few steps crushed only Lankan's. And when he tried to smash the Vanar's crawling all over him, he only managed to hurt himself because they were pretty agile and quickly got out of the way of his blows. The giant lumbered on towards Ram. So what if he didn't have a club? He would swat Ram like a fly. But Ram had other ideas. He let loose a couple of his special arrows that neatly sliced off Kumbhakarna's arms. The giant was enraged and he still came forward, jaws fully open, ready to grab his prey. Hey, if a T-Rex could manage with practically no arms, no reason that a T-Rex-sized Asur couldn't. Kumbhakarna leapt forward, sharp teeth glistening. But he stopped. Ram's final arrow was forceful enough to knock the Asur back. It went straight through his mouth and instantly the giant was killed. He fell to the ground, crushing another couple of hundred Warners and Lankans in the process. It was estimated that he killed about 10,000 Warners. And yet, the day ended a lot worse for Ravan than it did for the Warners. Ravan was cornered. The king of Lanka was in a tight spot. Indrajit was his only hope now. He hoped that Indrajit's invisibility batteries would be charged by the next morning. If not, they didn't stand a chance. That's all for this time. A few notes. There's a story explaining how Kumbhakarna and Ravan in previous births were actually gatekeepers at Vaikunt, Vishnu's home. They offended some people and got cursed for it. Three lifetimes of being born as evil people, whom an avatar of Vishnu would release. That's what happened here with Kumbhakarna's defeat. Now, he was free to move on to his third and final sentence. Ravan would soon join him too, but I won't say too much about it right now, because spoilers. Previous Ravan episodes are linked in the show notes and on the site sfipodcast.com. Check them out. In the next episode, we'll do a story featuring a composer and singer and Vishnu devotee. I'm not talking about me, but about a couple of other fellows from medieval Karnataka. Thank you all for the comments on social media and on Spotify's Q&A. I can't directly reply to the questions there, but I'll address them here on this show. Vishrut, Hiranmai, Prasanna, 
Thank you as always for all your support. Thank you as well, Bishwa Mohan Dash. Anivar, yes, I'll get back to the Mahabharat soon. Samay, I hope you liked today's story. Bala will certainly do the Asurs and Devs creation story. I've moved it up in my backlog. If you have any other comments or suggestions or if there are particular stories that you'd like to hear please do let me know by leaving a comment or a review on the site asifipodcast.com or reply to the questions on Spotify's Q&A You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook If you want to send me an email it's storiesfromindiapodcast@gmail.com Be sure to subscribe to the show to get notified automatically of new episodes A big thank you to each and every one of you for your continued support and your feedback. The music is from purpleplanet.com. That's purple-planet.com. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.